<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi everybody, Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. I hope if you haven't already, you will order and read my new bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Today, we are going to revisit one of the most fascinating people I think I've ever interviewed on Full Measure. Today's topic, one of my favorite stories that I've done at Full Measure about a really interesting fellow named Eric Lundgren. I first learned about him by reading an article in an offbeat place probably two and a half years ago that talked about, first of all, by way of background, that he pioneered in the field of electronic waste or e-waste. I didn't even really know what e-waste was. So just to fill you in in case you didn't know either, E-waste is the electronic trash that's created from all of our electronic devices. We're talking about the batteries in our computers. We're talking about the batteries and the other stuff from the cell phones that we no longer use. We're talking about electronic car batteries, electric cars. And we're talking about solar panels when they're done being used. These all create terrible hazardous waste that goes not only in our landfills, but sometimes we ship this stuff to foreign countries. And sometimes in those foreign countries, places like China, people pick through them for different kinds of things that they can salvage. And it can make them very, very sick because there are toxic chemicals, toxic metals in these products. I think one of the things that surprised me most is we think of all of these things as components of clean energy like when we're talking about electric car batteries and come to find out that things like that and the solar panels are creating a huge, huge environmental problem for which we don't have a lot of solutions. Well, Eric Lundgren is a young man who knew about this and devoted his professional life to trying to find solutions, which hinged on recycling this toxic electronic waste so it didn't end up in our landfills. And I read an article that said he crossed paths with Microsoft as part of his business because one of the things that he did was make sure that you could recycle a lot of Microsoft computers instead of throwing them away. And one way they could be refurbished, which he was doing, he had a business doing this, was to download for free, which anybody can do, some software that you can load back onto sort of a blank old Microsoft computer. People don't know that you can do that because the license travels with the device. So you could actually purchase a used blank or erased one and re-download the operating system for free. So he downloaded those and put them on disks and gave them away with the refurbished computers that he was selling at a very nominal fee for a nominal rate. Well, come to find out, Microsoft did not like that he was doing this. 
You can imagine that if you refurbish a lot of computers, it cuts into sales because if you can't refurbish them, people are going to buy the new computers. But Microsoft got some prosecutors down in West Palm Beach to actually raid Eric Lundgren's home a couple of years back. He thought it was a big mistake because he said he's never been in any kind of trouble before. I'm not sure he's even had a traffic ticket. And suddenly federal agents raid his house. He wasn't home at the time, but he said that two elderly tenants who were at his house when the raid happened were um, told at gunpoint to let them come in and search the premises. So he's thinking there's some big mistake. He finds out who the prosecutor is, who is responsible for getting this subpoena issued. And he flies down in person because he thinks there's been a terrible mistake. And he introduces himself to the prosecutor and says, I'm an e-waste recycler. You've got the wrong guy. And he says, the prosecutor tells him, and he quotes the prosecutor as saying, Microsoft wants your head on a platter and we're going to give it to them. So he gets a lawyer. He ends up getting charged with 21 federal charges, all kinds of different things. And again, thinks it's one horrible mistake. He thinks Microsoft is coming after him to retaliate for the fact that he's in a business that could cut into their business and that others could be encouraged to do the same. Now, Microsoft, for their part, said he committed all kinds of crimes and among them, copyright violation, which turned out to be the one thing he pled guilty to. He had a lawyer that said, they're really stacking up a lot of charges against you. You're not going to win this. Plead guilty to the smallest thing that you can find, and you'll probably be let go with nothing more than probation or house arrest because the one thing he was going to plead guilty to, the copyright violation, he said nobody had ever gone to prison for that sort of a thing. It was handled uh, usually civilly. So he pleads guilty to the one thing because he doesn't have the money or the time and doesn't think he can win the battle to fight the Microsoft-driven prosecution. And guess what? He's sentenced to federal prison, 15 months in federal prison for this. And I remember reading about it thinking there must be more to the story. And by the way, I did ask Microsoft and the prosecutor for an interview. They didn't want to do the interview. But Microsoft did issue statements that defended that they thought Eric Lundgren was violating copyright laws, was endangering people by counterfeiting material is what they said, and endangering people's security and privacy in doing so. But what he really pled guilty to was on those disks that he made for people with the free software on it from Microsoft, which anybody could do, he said he used the Microsoft font and that he should have created a different font that said this is downloaded Microsoft software, but it wasn't issued by Microsoft. He was the one who downloaded it or had it downloaded and was printing it and giving it out with the refurbished computer. So he said that was his mistake, um, which he didn't see as a crime that you should go to prison for. And let me deviate from here because at the time I'm reading this article, and since then, what keeps coming to mind is the notion that we put this young man in prison for a year for this crime, and look at all of the alleged crimes that are overlooked by the FBI and federal agencies, particularly when federal agents are involved in allegedly committing the crimes, the things that they look the other way for, I'll just say one of them, former FBI Director James Comey, 
was referred for criminal charges by the Obama-appointed inspector general that said Comey had mishandled some information from his office, some anti-Trump information that Director Comey took from his office and mishandled. But Department of Justice said, oh, we, we're not going to prosecute because Comey didn't mean any harm. He didn't have any ill intent. Can you imagine? Well, why can't Eric Lundgren use the defense that he had no ill intent? That doesn't seem to work for the rest of us when something happens to us. So I, I keep thinking about the notion that we're paying $20,000 a year to put this young man in federal prison who'd never been in trouble and arguably was no sort of threat to society, certainly no sort of physical threat. Anyway, I interviewed him for my TV program, Full Measure, right when he was about to report to prison. And he told me at the time that the judge had said something to him like he hoped that Eric Lundgren understood to reform his ways, that this would kind of teach him a lesson. And what he did in the interview with me instead was to double down. He said, I am not going to be deterred from my mission. In fact, I'm going to work twice as hard at it while I'm in prison and afterwards. So after a quick break, we will tell you what I found when I caught back up with the amazing Eric Lundgren. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. Partisan pundits, analysts, and anonymous sources fill news space, leaving little room for facts. The line between opinion and fact has disappeared. In my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, I reveal the struggles inside newsrooms where journalism used to rule. For the first time, dozens of current and former top national news executives, producers, and reporters give insider accounts speaking with shocking candor about our industry's devolution. Buy Slanted today for yourself or as a holiday gift for someone you care about anywhere. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back, and I'm talking about the e-waste recycler Eric Lundgren, who was sent to prison after he crossed paths with Microsoft, but promised to double down. And he ended up spending of his 15-month sentence about a year in prison and then got out. But what did he do while he was behind bars? He managed to start a company called Big Battery Dot com, which is now being watched by industry analysts who see it as a big, innovative pioneer. And by the way, he told me it was no easy task to start a new big company while he was in prison because they didn't allow him to communicate by computers, which is the thing he does for a living. He had to write down everything on paper and get people working for his company to visit in person and go over these plans. His goal was 
to create the largest hybrid recycling company for electric vehicle batteries in the country. So he successfully did this. And when he got out, he went in person to operate the business he'd built. And when I was in California over the summer, this past summer, a few months ago, I asked him to show me around his facility in California. This is amazing. Maybe I'm a little geeking out at it, but I I like inventions. I like technology. So I get to his place and it's just this giant, giant warehouse. And it was fun to meet him in person because when I interviewed him before, two years before, he was only five days from reporting to prison. And because of that, I couldn't get to him on the West Coast. He was out in California and he couldn't get to me in Washington, D.C. before he reported to prison. So we did a rare interview sort of on computer remotely. So this is the first time I met him in person, just as I imagined he was. Very um, young and savvy looking career professional outside of this warehouse that he's using. And he told me that today his company has the largest stockpile of electric vehicle batteries, lithium ion and lithium iron phosphate in the United States. So by way of background, when I interviewed him this time, I asked him to characterize for people who don't know about e-waste what it is and why it's such a big problem. And he explained that e-waste is responsible for 70% of the heavy metals in our landfills. And I think a lot of people believe that when we throw it in the trash or take it to the landfill that somebody deals with it in an environmentally safe way because we pay for the service, but it turns out nobody is. It literally gets dumped in the dirt and buried. And from there, it often leaches harmful chemicals into the environment. We're talking about lead, cadmium, mercury, bromine, arsenic. It's in the water table. It gets into the food. And in some countries, they burn it not here in the U.S., but we send it to other countries and it gets in the air they breathe. So statistically, I tried to find out how big of a business, first of all, how big of a problem it is and how big of a business e-waste is. And I found that it was estimated that we throw away about $55 billion worth of e-waste a year and only about a fifth of it is recycled. Not because it can't be, there just aren't a lot of businesses figuring it out. And Asia, in particular, is a dumping ground for these trashed electronics. You may have seen pictures or videos of workers there, sometimes the children, picking through, trying to reclaim the copper and the gold from there, and they're getting exposed to toxic materials during their handling. And so Lundgren's goal, and he's visited these countries, was always to short-circuit this hazardous flow to try to make it better for the environment, and it's also good for people if you can find out ways to reuse this stuff instead of just trashing it. So his warehouse, the one I visited, is in Chatsworth, California, which is just outside LA. And we go inside, there's all kinds of technicians there. He's employed quite a few people. And they're turning these used batteries into these new modules that can power almost anything. And as an aside, he tries to hire ex-cons because now as somebody himself who served time in prison, he understands how hard it is for people once they've gotten out to be able to get jobs and get a chance. So he's, he's using people who have criminal records that he can clear as safe and trustworthy. He tries to use them in his factory. So what happens is, for example, Tesla 
doesn't have a reuse program, and so they send their batteries to a recycler. And when the recycler gets them, they send them overseas. So what Eric Lundgren did was buy up all the Tesla used batteries, took them out of the cars, and processed about 100 container loads of these batteries, which are trashed to everybody else, but inside, the batteries are still good. They're good for another 15 years, he says. So they're not good to work the car, but they can still be good enough to power a house. They can be a battery backup in case the power goes out. It's not just Tesla. They have modules from Nissan's. I think they had 3,000 of those, and they're taking out pieces of the car battery, very heavy Nissan Gen 2 modules. I think he said these were 250 watt hours, and two of them can power a motor on a boat, for example. And six of them, he said, could power a golf cart farther than six lead acid batteries. And in fact, he had used some of the batteries that he was showing me, 48 of them, to power the lights in the factory. So another common source of battery trash is electric scooters, like those Segways I'm sure that you've seen. Sometimes they break down or they're recalled perfectly new, and the batteries inside them can last 10 years. So Lundgren was able to buy up 40,000 e-scooters. These were brand new, never used, destined for a landfill for some reason, bought them all up for a nominal fee, and decided to refurbish them and be able to provide scooters for sale to the public at about half the price of manufacturing them. These were scooters that were being thrown away. So he sold them pretty quickly. I think after starting out with 40000 by the time we were looking around the warehouse, he only had a couple thousand left. One more interesting area that he taught me about is the fact that besides disposing of e-waste instead of recycling it, Imagine what it takes to replace these batteries and this e-waste. It has another environmental cost, so you're getting it on both sides. To build a computer and monitor, it takes, just for one, one and a half tons of water, 48 pounds of chemicals, and 530 pounds of fossil fuels. For every one million laptops that are recycled, it saves enough energy to power 3,500 homes for a year. So think about that. If you can, instead of throwing away all of this material and all of these laptop computers, refurbish them and get more use out of them, you're saving potential toxic waste from going into the environment on both ends. So I tried to quantify um, how much of the e-waste recycling industry he's capturing. I was even trying to figure out how big that industry is. And I really couldn't find accurate figures for this. It's like nobody is really tracking that part of the industry yet. His business is definitely growing. He's also opened facilities besides the one that I toured in California. He's got them in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Mexico. If you would like to see this story, I think you will love it. It's sort of a happy story going into the holidays, and it will air on Sunday, December 20th on Full Measure. For a list of stations on TV where we can be seen, you can go to CherylAckison.com, click the Full Measure tab, and there's a list of stations and cities. We are now seen in Los Angeles. Didn't used to be. That started new probably six, seven months ago, so that's really good news for us. I hope for you, too. 
If you can't catch us on TV, you can always catch the replay very easy at fullmeasure.news. Go online, fullmeasure.news. We post the segments shortly after they air by 11 or noon Eastern time on Sundays. You can go there right now and see the segments from our last program. You can go there anytime. Also, if you are sick of seeing the same news over and over again on TV or reading about it online and want to know what you've been missing because there are thousands of stories going on in a given day. And this is a relatively new phenomenon that you just see the same three or four over and over again, no matter what news you're watching or reading. But on Full Measure, we've been covering a wide range of stories around the world, interesting stories that don't usually have to do with the same politics that you're seeing over and over again, that have to do with a lot of other things that impact you and are of interest. If you want to see a bunch of those stories, you can binge watch our cover stories by, again, going to CherylAckeson.com. Click the Full Measure tab, and you will see cover stories. And just click there, and, hey, they're there for your perusal. I think you could have a lot of fun seeing some of what you've missed in the news in the past couple of years, covered in a very fair way where we don't tell people what to think. We don't censor certain viewpoints and topics, kind of news the old-fashioned way. You can also watch Full Measure on the app STIR, S-T-I-R-R, again, at CherylAckinson.com on the Full Measure tab tells you how to find us on STIR and where to find STIR. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you will consider subscribing to Full Measure After Hours. Tell your friends, leave a good review, share it, and check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast, wherever you like to listen. And consider checking out my new bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. I promise you'll learn a lot.